Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, episode titled A Caribbean Mystery, where Miss Marple is drawn into a case of intrigue and black magic when a major who bragged of owning a photo of a murderer dies under mysterious circumstances. This will be a five-part series, so sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. My nephew, Raymond West, had decided that it would be good for my rheumatism for me to have a winter holiday on the island of St. Honoré. To be perfectly honest, although it was very pleasant to sit about in the sun all day, I was beginning to get just a little bit bored. And then suddenly, old Major Palgrave was found dead in his bed only a few hours after he'd been about to show me the picture of a murderer, or so he said. I couldn't help wondering whether the Major really had died a natural death. We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple in Agatha Christie's A Caribbean Mystery. I had taken my knitting down to the beach and found a shady place for myself. Old Mr. Raphael was there, looking painfully thin in his beach attire and giving his secretary a very hard time as usual. Are you going to take your dip now, Mr. Raphael? I'll go in when I'm ready. It's past your usual time. And what of that? You should know very well by now. I'm not the kind of man to be tied by the clock. I'm perfectly happy sitting here. Very well, Mr. Raphael. And I don't like these espadrilles. I told that fool Jackson that they pinched my feet. The man never pays attention to a word I say. I'll fetch you some others. No, you won't. You'll sit down here and keep quiet. I hate people rushing around like clucking hens. You don't mind if I put myself down here, do you, Miss Marple? No, no, of course not. I'll move my chair. Thanks. Oh, I'm afraid the beach does get rather crowded at this time of the morning. It doesn't worry me, really. I can still hardly believe that I'm here. I have never been to the West Indies before, you know, Mrs Hillingdon. I suppose you know this part of the world very well. I've been on this island once or twice before. You go looking for butterflies, don't you, and wildflowers? Mm. You and your friends? Or are they relatives? The Dysons? Friends, nothing more. And I suppose you go about together a great deal because of your interests being the same? Yes, we've travelled with one another for some years now. I'm sure you must have had some rather exciting adventures. I don't think so. (laughs) Adventures always seem to happen to other people. No dangerous encounters with snakes or wild animals? Nothing worse than insect bites. (laughs) Poor Major Palgrave, you know, was bitten by a snake once. Was he? Did he never tell you about it? Perhaps. I don't remember. He always had such interesting stories to tell. What are you going on about? Major Palgrave was a ghastly old boar. And he was a fool. He needs to have died if he looked after himself properly. Oh, come now, Mr. Raphael. I know what I'm talking about, Esther. If you look after your health properly, you're all right anywhere. Now, look at me. The doctors gave me up years ago. All right, I said. I've got my own rules of health, 
and I shall keep to them. And here I am. Poor Major Polgrave had high blood pressure. D- nonsense. Oh, but he did. Who says so? Did he tell you? He looked very red in the face. You can't go by that. But anyway, I know he didn't have high blood pressure because he told me. What do you mean he told you? I mean, you can't exactly tell people you haven't got a thing. Yes, you can. I said to him once, when he was downing all those planters' punches and eating too much, I said, you ought to watch your diet and your drink. You've got to think of your blood pressure at your age. And he said he'd nothing to look out for in that line, that his blood pressure was very good for his age. But he took some medicine for it, I believe. Something called, oh, uh, something like serenite. If you ask me, I don't think he ever liked to admit there could be anything the matter with him or that he could be ill. I think he was one of those people who are afraid of illness. The trouble is everybody's too fond of knowing other people's ailments. They think everybody over 50 is going to die of hypertension or coronary thrombosis or one of those things. That's rubbish. If a man says there's nothing wrong with him, I don't suppose there is. And a man ought to know about his own health. What's the time? Quarter to twelve. A quarter to twelve... I ought to have had my dip long ago. Why can't you remind me about these things? Look, help me up, will you, Esther? Have you been here in Evelyn? What's the water like? Just the same as always. Uh, Never much variation, is there? Do you know where Lucky is? I've no idea, Greg. I haven't seen her. Oh, well. It's time I gave my celebrated impersonation of a whale. The fastest crawl in St. Honoré! You're coming in again, Evelyn. (sighs) Why not? There isn't anything else to do. The Hillingdons and the Dysons. I couldn't help feeling there was something distinctly odd about that relationship. And was it one of them that Major Paul Grave had caught sight of when he was about to show me the picture of a murderer? And was that why he had suddenly put it back into his wallet? I was certain that there was something wrong about the Major's death. May I speak to you, Mrs Kendall? Yes, of course, Victoria. What is it? I'd like to tell you something. Is anything wrong? I don't know for sure. It's about the old major gentleman who died. What about him? There was a bottle of pills in his room. Yes. The doctor found them on the bathroom shelf. He seemed quite satisfied, but I got to thinking afterwards. Those pills, the serenite, they weren't there before. You mean you think that... I don't know what to think. I just wanted to tell you about it. Perhaps you could talk to the doctor... Perhaps someone put the pills there so he took them and died. Oh, I don't imagine that's at all likely. You don't know. People do bad things. I'll make inquiries, Victoria, don't worry. And above all, don't go starting a lot of silly rumours. No, Mrs Kendall, I won't. And thank you. I just felt I had to tell somebody. Oh, good morning, Mr Kendall. Hello, Victoria. Tell somebody what? She says the pills, the ones Dr Graham found in the Major's room, weren't there before. What were the pills, anyway? Well, I don't really know. The doctor who came over for the inquest, Dr Robinson, said they were something to do with blood pressure, I think. Well, there's nothing unusual in that. Lots of people take those sorts of pills. I know, but Victoria seemed to think it might have been one of those pills that killed him. Oh, darling, that's a bit too melodramatic. You mean that somebody might have changed his blood pressure pills for something else and that they poisoned him? It does sound absurd when you put it like that. But you know how they work themselves up, these girls? Well, if you're really worried about it, we'd better go and ask Dr Graham. He's bound to know. But how could the girl get such a fantastic idea into her head? 
Did she see anything or hear anything? Well, all she said was that there was a bottle labelled ser- um, Seren something. Uh, serenite, a well-known preparation. He'd been taking it regularly. Apparently, Victoria said she'd never seen it in his room before. Never seen it there before? What does she mean? Well, she cleans his room every day, and I suppose she knew the things in there off by heart. Tooth powder, shaving things. But this Serenite, she hadn't seen it there until the day after he died. That's certainly very odd. I suppose I'd better have a word with the girl myself. I'll get her to come over and see you. I don't want to get in no trouble. I didn't put that bottle there, and I don't know who did. But do you really think it was put there? Well, you see, Doctor, it must have been put there if it wasn't there before. Major Polgrave could have kept it in a drawer or in a dispatch case. But why would he want to do that if he was taking the stuff all the time? You're right. He'd have had to take it several times a day. You never saw him taking it? No, he didn't have it there before. So I thought that if the stuff had something to do with his death, poisoned his blood... Then maybe an enemy put it there to kill him. Well, that's absolute nonsense. The serenite couldn't possibly do anyone any harm. Quite the contrary. I can assure you that there was nothing wrong with that medicine. It was the proper thing for a man to take who had high blood pressure. Well, thank you, Doctor. You've certainly taken a load off my mind. I'm very glad to hear it. You needn't worry about the matter any more. I won't do that. Goodbye, Doctor. Goodbye. Administrator's office, I'd like to speak to Mr. Daventry, please. Yes, it is quite urgent. There's that interfering old biddy coming out of a bungalow. This place isn't what it used to be. Can't move a step without some old hen getting under your feet. Have you typed those letters out yet? I haven't had time. Well, I can't see why that is. I bring you out here to do a bit of work, not to sit about sunning yourself and showing off your figure. Such a lovely evening, isn't it? Well, why not? That's what we're here for, isn't it? Oh, you're so severe. Of course, the weather is a very English subject of conversation. One forgets. Oh, oh dear. This is the wrong wool. How foolish of me. You don't mind my leaving my knitting bag here, do you? I shan't be long. I must get away while I've got the chance. Jackson! Don't you think she might consider it rather rude? I don't care what she considers. Jackson! What do old ladies come to the West Indies for, anyway? Where do you suggest they should go? Well, to Cheltenham or Bournemouth or Torquay or Landridot Wells. Plenty of choice. They like places like that. Where the hell is that Jackson? I'm here, Mr. Raphael. I'll have my massage now before that chattering old hen comes back. Now, <coughs> the massage does me a bit of good. Oh, oh, take me back inside. Yes, Mr. <coughs> So silly of me. Oh, I do hope I'm not disturbing you. Of course not. I've got to go off and do some typing in a minute, but I'm going to enjoy the sunset for a while first. Mr Raphael's gone inside for a massage. I couldn't help feeling just a little bit curious about Esther Walters. No one could possibly describe her as glamorous, but she was quite attractive. Or could have been, if she'd tried. So why didn't she? Surely Mr. Raphael wouldn't have minded. He was so completely taken up in his own affairs that she might have got herself up like a hoory in paradise without him objecting. Besides, he always went to bed very early, and in the evening hours she might well have blossomed. But it was time to lead the conversation in the direction of Mr. Raphael's valet. It 
must be such a help having someone like Jackson around. He's very competent. A fully trained masseur. I suppose he has been with Mr. Raphael a long time. Oh, no. About nine months, I think. And is he married? I don't think so. At least he's never mentioned it. Definitely not married, I'd say. He's quite good-looking. Yes, I suppose he is. Have you worked for Mr. Raphael long? Four or five years. After my husband died, I had to take a job again. I've got a daughter at school, and my husband left me rather badly off. Mr. Raphael must be quite a difficult man to work for. Not really, once you've got to know him. He flies into rages very easily, but it doesn't mean anything. I think the real trouble is that he gets bored with people. <laughs> He's had five different ballet attendants in two years. He likes having someone new to bully. But he and I have always got on very well. Mr Jackson seems a very obliging young man. He's very tactful and resourceful. However, I think he manages to have quite a good time. But then everyone here seems to be having a good time as far as I can tell. The Hillingdons and the Dysons certainly seem to enjoy themselves. The Hillingdons have been coming here for the past two or three years, I think. But Gregory Dyson goes back much longer than that. He knows the West Indies very well. He came here originally with his first wife. She was delicate and had to go abroad in the winter. And she died? Or was it a divorce? No. No, she died out here. I don't mean this particular island, but somewhere in the West Indies. There was some sort of trouble, I believe, some sort of scandal or other. He never talks about her. I gather they didn't get on very well. And then he married this wife, Lucky. Really a most incredible name. I believe she was a relation of his first wife. Have they known the Hillingdons a great many years? Only since the Hillingdons started coming out to the West Indies, I think. <laughs> the Hillingdons seem very pleasant. Quiet, of course. Yes, they're both quiet. Everyone says they're devoted to one another. But you don't think they are? You don't really think so yourself, do you, my dear? Well... I have wondered sometimes. Quiet men like Colonel Hillingdon are often attracted to flamboyant types. Lucky. Such a curious name. Do you think Mr Dyson has any idea of what may be going on? I can't imagine. It's very sad about poor Major Palgrave, isn't it? Yes, I suppose it is. Though the people I'm really sorry for are the Kendalls. Oh, yes, it is rather unfortunate when something of that kind happens in one's hotel. People come here, you see, to enjoy themselves, don't they? To forget about illnesses and death and income tax and frozen pipes and all the rest of it. They don't like any reminders of mortality. Now, that is very well put, my dear. Very well put indeed. And you see, they're quite a young couple. They only took over from the Sandersons six months ago and they're terribly worried about whether they're going to make a success of it or not because they haven't had much experience. And you really think this might be disadvantageous to them? Well, no, I don't, frankly... I don't think people remember anything out here for more than a day or two. Not in this atmosphere of we've all come to enjoy ourselves, let's get on with it. <laughs> I've told Molly so, but of course she is a warrior. Oh, I have never thought of Mrs Kendall as a warrior. She always seems so carefree. Hmm. I suspect a lot of that is put on. Actually, I think she's one of those anxious sort of people who can't help worrying all the time that things may go wrong. I should have thought Mr Kendall worried more than she did. Oh, no, I don't think so. I imagine she's the worrier and he worries because she worries, if you know what I mean. That is interesting. 
I think Molly wants desperately to try and appear very gay and to be enjoying herself. She works very hard at it, but the effort exhausts her. Then she has those odd fits of depression. She's not, um, well, not really very well balanced. Oh, poor child. I don't think Molly really has anything to worry about in this case. I mean, people are dying of coronary thrombosis or cerebral hemorrhage or things of that kind all the time these days. Major Palgrave never mentioned to me that he had high blood pressure, did he to you? He said so to somebody. I don't know who. It may have been Mr Raphael. I know that Mr Raphael says just the opposite, but then he's like that. Certainly Jackson mentioned it to me once. He said that the Major ought to be more careful over the alcohol he took. I see. I expect you found the Major a rather boring old man. He told lots of stories and I expect repeated himself a great deal. That's the worst of it. You do hear the same story again and again, unless you can manage to be quick enough to fend it off. There was one story he was fond of telling about a murder. I expect he told you that, did he? I believe he did. Now I come to think of it. Something about someone who gassed themselves, wasn't it? Only really it was the wife who gassed him. I mean, she'd given him a sedative of some kind and then stuck his head in the gas oven. Was that it? I don't think that was exactly it. <laughs> he told such a lot of stories and one doesn't always listen. He had a snapshot that he used to show people. Yes, he did. Did he show it to you? Uh, no, he didn't show it to me. We were interrupted. Well... That must have been a relief. I did not really feel that I had got to the bottom of the business about the Hillingdons and the Dysons. I rather got the impression that Esther Walters thought I was just an old scandalmonger. I decided that perhaps I might have better luck with Miss Prescott, the Cannon's sister. The story I heard... Yes, Miss Prescott. It seemed... Though, of course, I don't want to talk any scandal, and I really know nothing about it. Oh, I quite understand. Well, it seems that there was some talk even when Mr Dyson's first wife was still alive. Really? Apparently, this woman, Lucky, who was, I think, a cousin of his first wife, came out here and joined them and did some work with him on birds or butterflies or whatever it was. And people talked, because they got on so well together, if you know what I mean. People do notice things so often, don't they? And then, of course, when his wife died rather suddenly... She died here, on this island? No, I think they were in Martinique or Tobago at the time. I see. But I gathered from some other people who were there at the time that the doctor wasn't satisfied. Now, that is interesting. It was only gossip, of course, but... Well, Mr Dyson certainly married again very quickly. Only a month, I believe. Only a month? It seemed unfeeling. Oh, I can well imagine. Was there any money? I don't really know. He makes his little joke. Perhaps you've heard him about his wife being his lucky piece. Yes, I've heard him. And some people think that that means that he was lucky to marry a rich wife. Though, of course, she's very good-looking, if you care for that type. Some men do, I believe. I think myself that it was the first Mrs. Dyson who had the money. Are the Hillingdons well off? Well off, yes, but not fabulously rich. They have two boys at public school and a very nice place in Hampshire. And, oh, but there's my brother. I promised to walk round the island with him and he mustn't see me here gossiping. 
do excuse me. And she was off, but at least I felt that I was beginning to get a little further. I sat there for a while, staring at the sea. And then Mr. Dyson came by. Any for your thoughts, Miss Marple? Good morning. I couldn't help wondering how he would have reacted had I replied, I was wondering if you were a murderer. And it seemed most probable that he was. It all fitted in so nicely. The story about the death of the first Mrs. Dyson. Major Palgrave had certainly been talking about a wife murderer. Didn't he mention the brides in the baths? The trouble was that it all fitted too well. But who was I to demand murders made to measure? And then Lucky herself passed by, evidently in pursuit of Mr. Dyson. Forty if she's a day and looks it this morning. The Luckies of this world are so vulnerable to time. No, that's fine, Jackson, but don't fuss. I'll be perfectly all right here by myself. There was no time to be lost. Mr. Raphael was never left to himself for long, and I simply had to speak to him alone. Well, what do you want? I want to ask you something. All right, let's have it. You want a subscription, I suppose? Missions in Africa or a new church roof or something of that kind? As it happens, I am interested in several objects of that nature, and I shall be delighted if you will give me a subscription for them. <laughs> but what I was going to ask you was whether Major Palgrave ever told you about a murder. Oh, so he told it to you too, did he? And I suppose you fell for it, hook, line and sinker. I didn't really know what to think. What exactly did he tell you? He prattled on about some fantastic woman. Lucretia Borgia reincarnated. Beautiful, young, golden-haired, everything. Oh? And whom did she murder? Her husband, of course. Who do you think? Did the Major show you a snapshot? A snapshot of the woman, you mean? No. Why should he? No particular reason. Jackson! Jackson! Shall I find him for you, Mr. Raphael? You'll never find him. He's off tomcatting somewhere. Bad character. But it's used to me, all right. Jackson! I'll go and fetch him for you. No, that's not the way things stand, Tim. If you really Mr. want to know... Mr. Jackson! I'm sorry to disturb you, but Mr. Raphael is asking for you. I've only just left him. Oh, he seemed most insistent. No peace for the wicked. I thought that special diet order he gave me would leave me at least a quarter of an hour's alibi. <laughs> Apparently not. Thanks for the drink, Tim. I feel sorry for that chap. I have to stand him a drink every now and then just to cheer him up. Can I offer you something, Miss Marple? How about a fresh line? Oh, not just now, thank you. Good day, Miss Marple. Good day, Doctor. Dr. Graham looks rather worried. Uh, it's not surprising. We're all worried. Oh, because of Major Palgrave's death. Oh, I've left off worrying about that. People seem to have taken it in their stride. No, it, it's my wife, Molly. Oh. She's been having a succession of really bad dreams, nightmares. We all have them once in a while, but she seems to have them nearly all the time. They frighten her. She's got some sleeping pills, but she says they only make it worse. She struggles to wake up and can't. What are the dreams about? Oh, well, something or someone chasing her. And people watching her, spying on her all the time. She can't shake off the feeling even when she's awake. Couldn't a doctor well, That's her... just the trouble. Dr Graham offered to help, but she won't hear of it. She's got a thing against doctors. Perhaps it's just that old Paul Graves' death upset her. I don't know. But uh, I'd better be getting on with the daily chores. Um, you're sure about that fresh lime? Uh, quite sure, thank you. I want to have a word with Dr Graham. Uh, he's over there, at the table under the palm trees.
You mean that the snapshot you asked me to look for had nothing to do with your nephew at all? There wasn't any such thing. I made it up, I'm afraid. But why would you want to do that? Well, you see, I was talking to Major Palgrave, or rather he was talking to me, and he told me this story about a murder. And he took out his wallet and was about to show me a picture of the murderer when he suddenly caught sight of someone behind me and put the photo back into his wallet very quickly. Uh, now... Let's get this quite clear. You thought that what he was going to show you was the photograph of a murderer? That's what he said it was. At least, he said it was given him by this acquaintance who had told him this story about a man who was a murderer. And you believed him? Oh, I don't know if I really believed him or not at the time, but then, you see, the next day, he was found dead. I see, yes. I do see. That was why I asked you to look for the snapshot, but obviously it had disappeared. Excuse me, Miss Marple, but is what you're telling me now, is it really true this time? I don't wonder you're doubting me, but it is true. And even if you don't believe me, I thought I ought to tell you. Why? I thought you ought to have the fullest possible information in case... in case you decided to take any steps about it. Well, thank you, Miss Marple. And thank you for being so honest with me. As it happens, I'm going over to Jamestown this afternoon to have a word with Daventry at the administrator's office. I might mention it to him. Look here, Graham. You don't think you may be making too much of a rather fanciful story told you by an elderly lady? I mean, you know what these old dears are like. Yes, I know that. I've said the same thing to myself, but I can't quite convince myself. There's something about this particular elderly lady that rings true. Well, the only thing you've got to go on is that a chambermaid says that a bottle of pills which the authorities had relied on for evidence wasn't in the Major's room before his death. But there could be a hundred explanations for that. Well, the girl could simply have made a mistake. She was very positive. <sighs> what do you want me to do? Go to the CID? Suggest they dig the old boy up? It'd make a lot of trouble, It could know. be kept quiet. Kept quiet? In Saint Honoré? The grapevine would be onto it before it had even happened. Oh, all the same, I suppose we'll have to do something. But if you ask me, it's all a mare's nest. I profoundly hope it is. I really do. But I have a nasty feeling our elderly lady may be onto something. In part two of Agatha Christie's A Caribbean Mystery, Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield. Mr. Raphael, George A. Cooper. Dr. Graham, John Rowe. Esther Walters, Yvonne Edgel. Miss Prescott, Jenny Lee. Evelyn Hillingdon, Carolyn Jones. Edward Hillingdon, Christopher Wright. Molly Kendall, Alison Pettit. Tim Kendall, David Thorpe. Greg Dyson, Brian Parr. Victoria, Amanda Gordon. Jackson, Andrew Wincott, Daventry, David Brooks. A Caribbean Mystery is dramatised for radio by Michael Bakewell and directed by Enid Williams. Mystery Radio presentation.
I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.